All right, so welcome back to episode three of our Healthy Relationships podcast. I'm joined with two of my favorite people on staff. Uh, probably not allowed to say that, but I love you guys. Probably said uh, it on the last podcast. Too. I say it all the time. Yeah. I said it to every one of our guests. <laughs> He's going to say it on the next one too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but we got Kenny Green, our central campus pastor, and Jesse Sampson, our Buda campus pastor. Uh, and I'm so excited for today. So today's going to be a little bit different for anybody listening. We're probably going to shoot a little more from the hip because between the three of us, we can go off in different channels, but we find a way back. Uh, but today we're talking about healthy family dynamics. Be careful with Jesse's hips. Yeah. Just a little They're bit a little more brittle. careful with his. A little well, brittle. they don't lie. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. true. Okay. I thought that was me. Okay. <laughs> Given. No? Shakira, Hispanic. It was yes. low-hanging well, fruit. Is, 100%. That's good. But today we're talking about healthy family dynamics, and we just celebrated Mother's Day. So if you didn't get a chance to watch, uh, anybody who's listening to this, if you didn't get a chance to watch our panel that we did with some amazing moms and motherly figures, go back to gatewaychurch.com slash messages and watch some of those. It's going to be a great resource. But today we're talking with two dads, three if you're including myself. And between us, we got more uh, kids than a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. That's right. right? That's so yeah. uh, there's a lot to learn, I think. There's a lot that we don't know as well. Hashtag um, fruitful. That's right. There's mm, multiply. Just being, multiply. Just being obedient. That's all That's, all <laughs> That's it. That's all of it. Um, so in the spirit of fathers and uh, dads and families, I'd love to know. We hear a lot like, hey, the way that we view God is shaped by our earthly fathers. Um, and so for some of us that can carry some baggage for some of us, we have really beautiful experiences. Um, and for those of us who are dads and hear that it puts the onus on us of like, man, I, uh, there's more weight on the way that I raise my kids knowing that I'm a reflection. So two part question, what was, I guess, your experience with your dad growing up that maybe shaped the way that you view God and how has it changed the way that you So Kenny, I want to start with you. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, um, I think earlier on in life, I think there's probably a little bit more of a shadow side to that where, uh, my dad always super loving, hardworking, uh, demonstrated a lot of, of great, uh, just a lot of great qualities. But at the same time, I know my dad had his issues with addiction in his life. Um, a lot of, a lot of stuff around that, that I think, uh, made my dad unavailable to some degree, unavailable. He was always there, always present. Uh, my dad, you know, came home from work at the end of the day and I always sort of had my dad physically there, but I think on an emotional level sometimes, and on that sort of talking about the deeper things level, probably a little less available. It was harder for him. I just know that was a hard space for him. And so I think one of the things that that shaped earlier in life was it, it almost had a little bit of a framework around God for me, where probably God was similar, cared about the big stuff. God was there for me, you know, when the, when the chips were down and the big stuff, he was there. But like when it came to like matters of the heart, things I just needed to talk about, maybe he didn't have time for all that. And so it probably affected things like prayer and stuff like that to some degree. Um, But just that father image thing, it's powerful. I've learned a lot about that through the years. On the other hand, uh, in my adult life, I've really been able to reflect back and look at just the generosity piece with my dad. Like my dad was one of the most generous human beings I've ever known. We never had much, but like everything we had 
was uh, for the taking for anybody who needed it. And my dad, I mean, we would, we would sometimes like go out to the garage or go out in the yard and there'd be like just something that we had yesterday. It would just be missing. Yeah. Like, well, where'd that, dad, where'd that go? Ah, oh, you know, so-and-so needed that thing or whatever. Oh, they, they borrowed it. No, I just gave it to him. Like that was my dad. My dad was quick to give away money, quick to give away stuff. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but he was really teaching me a lot about generosity and what it looks like to hold things in life as if they belong to God, not to us. And that was actually pretty cool. And getting to instill that in your family today, I'm sure is a big piece of yeah. generosity. It's probably value you guys. Yeah, for sure. That's carried forward for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Jesse, what about you? How is, what was your view of your dad or your relationship with your dad? How did that view your, how did that affect your view of God and how's it translated into your family today? Yeah. So for, for years, you know, um, you know, we kind of believe narratives about our childhood and it just kind of gets retold and retold in our minds and our hearts. And the narrative for many years, which is true that, that my dad did abandon me, you know, left my mom when we were two, when I was two. And, um, you know, he came back in through a, a small window when I was a teenager. But, you know, I held on to that for many years that my dad abandoned me. And that's how I viewed God. Kind of bringing it forward over the, the past couple of years, just doing a little bit of work around, you know, healing. I think we continue to heal, right. especially around father wounds. We all have them. I think that's, that's, that's a given. Um, but I was reminded of some, a little bit of the narrative that I had like either tucked away or refused to pay attention to. And it was in those teenage years that, that my dad told me to be a man of character, mm. which is ironic because he wasn't to me. And I think what it's brought to light is you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, the reality is my, my dad had a terrible father. Hmm. And he had a terrible father. And, and, and the fact that generational patterns get passed down is a reality. And so I hold less against my dad these yeah. days than, than um, I have in the past. And I think that's been healing. So I can bring that forward to my, to my family. And what I, what I tell my kids often is, uh, without a doubt, uh, there's going to be something that you're going to blame me for. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm going to screw your life up. Let me just say that. Yeah. And what I want you to know hmm. is... That being said, remember the good things about what you did learn yeah. while you were with me as a father. And so I think it's been one of the things that, you know, again, it's been a recent thing, but it's been very healing. Yeah, for sure. I think it, for me and my journey, it was a little bit like that too. Kind of similar to what you were saying, Kenny. Like I had a dad. I knew he loved me. He hugged me all the time. He kissed me. He said, I love you. He provided. Yeah. Um, but I can count on one hand, like how many times he came to a, a game of mine in high school, right? And I played three sports. And so I think... It took a while to get there, but there was this view of God of like, God, I know you love me, but I'm not sure you like me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure you have time for me. Like, are you interested in the things that I'm in? And coming to that realization for me, I think it helped in my parenting, like just getting down to my kid's level and doing the things that they like. Yeah. And sometimes it's weird. You know what I mean? But like yeah. playing with toys that I'm like, I don't have time. Yeah. But it's really the only thing I should have. So I think that that helps. Yeah, I think that comes out too. Like even when we when we talk about prayer together with with our kids, like one of the things you know, I had parents who prayed for us for sure. My my mom especially was a praying mom, and man, I'm I'm probably alive and walking around today in great part. Uh, of course, it's the goodness of God, but it was a praying mom who was praying me through years of addiction and all kinds of stuff. But so she was praying for us and with us and and all of that. But but I think there's something about like spending time each day with our kids, really praying 
the details of our lives and like modeling that. And now as they have gotten a little bit older, encouraging them to do the same. Like, what do you want to talk to God about today? Yeah. And like showing them like this, these moments with God where this may, this may seem trivial to you. Like it's a little thing, but it's not to God. Like if it's, if it's big to you, it's big to your heavenly father. And I think having them praying in some of the things like praying around baseball and sports or, or praying around just the desires of our hearts sometimes for like, you know, maybe something new in our life or a, a friendship or something. Those things are really important to God. We know that now, yeah. but I think it's really cool that um, one of the generational, I think, blessings that I'm passing along to, to my boys is ever since they can probably remember praying together. We've been praying around the little things. We've been having the the detailed conversations with God. And I think that's a lot different. Um, so. Yeah. I think that to just kind of take that down a trail, you already said, I think you already told everybody, we're going to rabbit trail this. Thing. Yeah. So okay. right. um, I think there's something that, that way me and Chrissy engage our, our family and our kids, our older kids, especially is that we want them to have their own faith. Mm-hmm. I think what, what Kenny's talking about, just having them pray and pray for things. They're, they're able to model their own faith. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't want my kids to have my faith or Chrissy's faith. And so we don't even uh, make our kids go to church. They usually come by the room and say, hey, you going today? And yeah. they're like, of course I'm going today. I'm not, I'm not assuming you're going to go. It's your decision. You know, if you want to come serve, if you want to do any of that. Because I don't want them to grow up and think that, oh, but my dad was a pastor, so... Of course, we went to church. Yeah. I want them to want that for their own life, especially as they get older. Truth, yeah, that's that's great. I love that. I love the the conversations that we get to have. Um, I don't want to say as pastors because it should be natural conversations as followers of Jesus that we have with our kids. Like some of, I think some of my best messages actually start off as conversations with me and my oldest daughter. Yeah, where she has some deep theological questions where I'm like. Man, if you're asking these things at eight, <laughs> yeah, like imagine the questions that people are having at 32, yeah, you know what I mean, 41, whatever the case may be, yeah, that's so and good. Able to, you know, digest it and comprehend it at eight years old. She's like, oh, I, I can get around that. I can, I can believe that about God. Like yeah. we had a conversation about like what happens after life and hell and heaven and, and like my eight year old, I'm like trying to massage it so like she doesn't get scared. And then she's like, no, I get that. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes sense, Dad. And so it helps to have conversations other in other directions as yeah. well. So yeah. how has being a dad, I guess, that can segue into this. How has being a dad helped you better relate to other people, right? Like you're both pastors, um, you know, pillars in your communities, uh, in your the people that you uh, minister to on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. How has being a father um, better helped you in other areas? Hold on one second. I was just distracted by it. when he talked about pillars in the community. I don't know why, but what I was picturing was like pillars falling, like crumbling, like down, you're like that. Like, yeah, it was like, weird. I'm just I got distracted yeah. by it. maybe yeah. you're, you're you're the pillar in the community. My, my, I was picturing <laughs> like, just fracturing these things bit. just falling. Yeah, like it was a Probably different a, scene. I, I mean, think, maybe but... a two by four. In the <laughs> two by four. <laughs> that's right. Full up. Yeah. That's right. Your bundle of sticks. That's right. I'm sorry, man. It's okay. Let's bring this back. So, I think that. Being a father, how it's helped me engage the community. Is that the question? Is that where we're... No, how's it, how's it, yeah, how's, how's being a father helped you in other areas and other relationships in your yeah. life? Yeah, I think, um, I think the, the, uh, in Galatians 6, 4, Paul says, uh, uh, take the children by the hand and lead them the way of the master. I think that, that, 
uh, is something that's helped me frame things, even for people that we lead. And they're not my children, but um, it's just helped me be have the view of always be pointing to Jesus, especially our children, bring them to Christ. Um, you know, certainly uh, I'm no expert. I know, can you say the same? No expert. I think we're regular people that are chasing after Jesus. Yeah. And so I think that some of the misconception is, is like, oh, we know more. Not no. really. Right. Actually, we probably know very little, mm. uh, but we do have a heart to chase after him. And I think that being a father, a father's heart is very unique, uh, that it instructs, it guides, it corrects, it, it, it encourages. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not unlock our father's heart. It's not unlike the characteristics of God, merciful, compassionate, forgiving, mm. uh, even just fathers are they have a justice piece about them uh, that they bring and so i think there's it helps you as a as a dad and a father help help shepherd people in a way um not just our kids but also people yeah it reminds me of what paul says right he says you have a lot of teachers but you don't have a lot of fathers yeah that's a great point right it's a great point because you know it's like so my boys now i have four of them and three of them are, you know, are a little bit older now. We have a, I have a 13 year old and an 11 year old and a 10 year old. Then we have an 18 month old. So in theory, he's going to get the best of us, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for him. Like, uh, we're doing so much better with him already. He's going to get the surgically repaired hit. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly sorry. right. <laughs> that's exactly right. But with my older boys, it's, it's like one of the things I think that's been so cool. You talk about the father's heart, Jesse, and you know, the father's heart also is very protective, you know, uh, even territorial, maybe sometimes um, that can be healthy and not sometimes. But but I know that when you bring up like teaching and there's a lot of that, there's a lot of teachers, you know, uh, I have a huge value for teaching and for coaching. And I think those things are super valuable. But I also know that as my boys have gotten a little older, what I've found is I'm seeing better results sometimes as more of almost a facilitator in their, in, in, in their conflicts and in, in, in the conversations they have or when, they, when they're at odds with each other. Like mediation is a, is a high value that I carried as a father right now. And it's just as protective as the teacher who wants to teach them something or as the coach who wants to kind of grow them in some way. But that mediator, from a place of wanting to see them grow and wanting to see them thrive, um, it actually wants to let them talk things out more. I can give them the answer, not all the time, but a lot of the time, or I can kind of just guide them along and let them find it, find it in, in conflict with each other, let them kind of get to a resolve together or to some kind of reconciliation together. I think the value in that is that they end up seeing the best in each other. They're still, they're, they still fight all the time and they're all you know they're at each other constantly but they're the ones helping to resolve it big yeah. time and they're learning these they're learning these things that um while they're growing respect for one another in weird ways you know they're they they're growing sort of an admiration for each other and the, and the different gifts that they have and stuff like that they're also learning i think how to do that better do just to resolve conflict to to sit in something and not run from it or have to just you know have that need to like punch somebody in the face, but to mm -hmm. like sit in something and go, okay, like we can talk this out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable because like you said, it's not so much about being a pastor as it is just a follower of Jesus who loves living in spiritual community with people. I find myself wanting to shepherd that more with people. I can always offer teaching, can always offer coaching, some of it good, some of it maybe not so good, but, 
But when I can sit with a couple people who are having an issue of some sort or conflict in their marriage or their family, or they want, they have like parenting conversations <clears throat> that they want to have, it's cool when we can just mediate really great conversations for people, guide them along a little bit, but like let them get there. Discover it. Yeah. Yeah. The discovery piece is super important, man. So yeah. yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned some maybe not so healthy habits or, and you guys have kids of all ages. So you get it. Sometimes you're a boxing promoter and trying to <laughs> like right. keep them from fighting each other. But there's, you know, you mentioned fighting or running away. Uh, and those are some un unhealthy habits that just happen naturally from just being a human being, but also some things that we carry. Uh, so here's where I want to lean into is what are some unhealthy patterns and behaviors um, that you had maybe before coming a, becoming a parent? And then as you became a parent, that morphed into certain ways. Uh, and how did that look like? How did you get help in that area? How did you get better in that area? So I'll give you one of mine to kick off this portion is just like I noticed that anytime my kids would get messy, I would freak out like I was, I was okay with them jumping off of heights and like maybe breaking a bone if, if that happened. That's part of being a kid. But like if they track mud in or get Play-Doh everywhere. Blood, good. Yeah, yeah. Mud, not You're so right, much. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. Totally. Cereal bowl spi spilling, knocking over drinks. Like I, yeah. like my cortisol levels would increase and I would just, the mess that they would create, it would just, it would rise up in me. And I remember one day God was just like, Ricky, why are you <laughs> he's doing it right now? Um, and he, he, the Holy Spirit was just like, uh, it's pertaining to one of my kids. Is like, why are you so afraid to uh, when she makes a mess? Because I'm never afraid of your mess. And it was that moment that actually spurred me on to kind of a recovery journey yeah. and realize, okay, what is it there? Is it that I feel like I can't take on other people's mess? So that's just one thing. There's a, a multitude of things. But yeah. what's something that an unhealthy pattern you recognize, Jesse, as a parent that you recognize, man, this isn't helpful for me as a, as a dad, as a husband, or whatever, yeah. my family. And how did you go about really healing through that? Yeah. Well, as my professionally done uh, emotional healthy assessment shows, I struggle with interpersonal relationships. <laughs> it was $500 well spent, by the way. Mm. But I already knew that. I knew that for years. Uh, like I said, you know, I viewed uh, my dad as, as abandoning me. And that's, that's, I held on to that for many years. And so for me, relationships were not, it was, it's nothing to drop somebody. I just um, to move cut somebody on. off. Yeah, yeah, I just move on because. Uh, I didn't want to get too close. I didn't want to let people uh, in into the inner depths of my heart, and so it was it was really easy for me to just turn people loose. And and uh, when me and my wife got married, it was a real struggle for her because she would say, "Well, you have these friends," and and I do. I have these friends that I don't talk to for sometimes 10, 15 years, and she said, it "Doesn't bother you?" And I said, "Yeah, it, it really doesn't." Um, one of the things that I had to grow in, uh, and recovery is one of the one of the areas that. I started to really look at this, is that one, not everyone's my enemy. Yeah. And two, people do love me. And two, people do care. And, and people are, are, are not quick to run away from me as I, as I perceive that to be. And so what I had to do with my family, for some of my older kids, two of my oldest teenage daughters um, and, and our oldest teenage son, they have two dads in a sense. They, they saw an unhealthy dad. And, and then now, now they see a dad transform. With the younger kids, they, they kind of have one dad. So there's a real dichotomy in our house. Um, but I brought into our family just the idea and just started to, to speak this all over them is that people are not your enemy. 
People are not enemies, so you need to engage conflict. If you have a conflict, engage it, press into it. Don't run from it. Uh, even with whether it's a principal or a teacher, or it's with the, the family. Um, and, and I'm not going to solve it for you. You need to do it. I'm going to give you some tools. This is what you need to do, but go do it and, and, and work on the relationships, yeah. whether it's interpersonal or not, just a coworker or whatever, work on that relationship so that you don't just leave a trail behind you, of broken relationships all the place. Yeah, yeah. that's good, man. Yeah. I think for, I think for me, family of origin stuff, probably, um, I see more of the kind of the shame spiral thing that, um, you know, I, uh, come from a long and distinguished line of, of, of addiction, uh, in the men, um, that, that I've grown up uh, around and with. And so, you know, my dad, uh, struggled with addiction, his dad, the same and his dad, the same. And, and the thing that I've seen over the generations, even as a, probably as a, up to my teenage years is I saw how the, the green men, like um, in our family, like for, for generations, they spiral in shame a lot. And when they do, they shut down and um, they don't talk about it, right? You, you know, you've messed up, you know, that you've hurt somebody like you've hurt, you've hurt your wife, you've hurt your family, you've let people down. Uh, and my family would mostly avoid any conversation around stuff like that um, with a vengeance, you know, just absolute avoidance. It was taboo. And, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was, there was a, there was a taboo to it. And, and I think what it was, was it would get covered up by things like humor, which has, it has an upside. There's mm -hmm. some, there's some fun stuff about that that was modeled in our, you know, levity and things like that get modeled in our family. But, but ultimately there's a lot of avoidance, right? So there's just stuff that builds up over the years because as you, as you're dealing with shame and you're not actually dealing with it, with anybody else, not interpersonally and not communally with others, you got this piling of shame, this mountain of shame that is, is growing in life. Uh, and then of course, that's a big part of, of, my adult life for many, many years. It's just living in a constant shame spiral uh, and finding all kinds of very effective ways to run away from and not deal with that through drugs, through, through partying of different sorts, through pornography, through all kinds of sexual brokenness and relational brokenness. Basically just, I don't wanna feel this. I'm not gonna deal with this. And so what does it take for me not to have to, right? But now as a dad, and because of recovery and because of uh, getting to spend some really great time with uh, just a great therapist, I'm a huge fan of, of, of a good therapist in our lives and a, uh, a good counselor, someone to, to talk to. And, um, and of course, through recovery and through living, not, not just going through recovery, but living in recovery community with others on, a, on an ongoing basis. I think the value I bring to my family now and to, again, to my wife and I's relationship and to my, my relationship with my boys is when we are experiencing shame, we're gonna communicate. Um, I think this is probably, by the way, I think this is brutal. I think this is something that's really difficult for my boys. I think right now there are, there are times when they're like, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about it, right? I want to withdraw, I just want to go stew, and I totally get that. Um, but I think there's a value in we're gonna talk about this right now. And we may not settle this, right? Like we may not make this better, but it's gonna be better than us not talking about yeah, it and letting it pile up. It. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, 
you know, my hope would be that when my boys are older and they're sitting, maybe having a conversation with you on a podcast, Ricky, that maybe one of them, if the worst thing they can say to you is that, man, my dad made us talk about everything. If that's the worst thing that comes from this, as opposed to, man, we never talked about anything yeah. in our house. I'll still count it as a small victory in terms of generational healing. I don't know if I've got this down yet, but I'm I'm going to err on the side of, hey, let's talk about it. And let's let's make sure that shame isn't in, living in some weird, dark, shady place where our mind is writing a story. I love what you said. Like our, our mind is writing like a narrative over yeah. time. It's a false narrative. Yeah. It's built on lies it's and it complete. comes from the enemy. We want to let Jesus speak into this. We want the Holy Spirit to be ministering to our family. And I think that happens best when we're having these conversations together. That's great. That's... Give me a uh, real quick. I would love what's one family value that you guys have, like that your, your kids can repeat it without the moment you start that you guys have that you share um, that is instilled into your family. Like one thing that we do, um, I, I would say honesty is a big one in our family. Like we're, we're going to tell the truth. We're not going to lie. Like, even if it hurts, even if it's, you know, if it's hard to say, we're going to, we're going to be truthful. But I think there's also the, the, the healthy thing that comes from that too, is, uh, we're going to be truthful in who our kids are. Right. So, uh, I've shared this with, with some of our people at our campus, but every morning before they go to school, like they, we have a list of affirmations that they you know, with our daughter. And it starts with who they are in God. It's truth. It's yeah. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by my mommy and poppy. I am fearfully and wonderfully. I'm smart. I am a leader. I love others. I'm kind to others. So it helps them see who they are. It's instilling truth in who they are. So I say honesty, truth is a big one in our family. What's one family value kind of live by in how you Uh, snitches get stitches. That's right. I was just you just took mine. Stitches. <laughs> a lot of bruises in the yeah. Samson household. Yeah, that's right. I think um, I think honesty is 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 a huge one. Um, I, I'm just, I think it's just so important that our boys are growing up to know that you know there's there's nothing you can do that's going to change the love that that my wife Jenny and I have have for you guys. There's nothing you can do to to burn that. Um, but there is this other thing called trust, and there's this thing about um, living living with integrity together and and living with with character. We, we're all characters, but like also trying to build character in our family that I think is really valuable. We can we can let dishonesty take root in our family dynamic, um, and that can start with me. That can start with one of the boys. But when that starts to happen everything starts to unravel. I love what you're saying, Ricky, because I think like there are, there's a beauty in, in just affirmations. There's beauty in speaking uh, the truth about each other. But I think that there's such a value in speaking truth to each other. The biggest thing that I want my kids to understand is there's nothing you could say. There's nothing that you could tell me today that one is going to make me blush, but two, that would ever change the way I feel about you, the love that I have for you. And again, at my best, um, and I'm scraping the surface maybe on some days, but at my best, I'm just imaging my heavenly father that way. I'm image, imaging their heavenly father. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's Romans 8, right? There's, there's nothing, nothing that could separate us from the love of God that we find in this relationship with Christ Jesus. I want my boys to know that. Um, I think the other value is, is just that our home is always open. 
And I think there's something uh, that is one of the great things I learned in my family of origin. I think that that's something that I, I we we carry forward. Uh, Jenny grew up in a home like that too, where the, their home was always open. Sometimes it was ministry consciously. Sometimes it was just hey, the, the door is open. Like if you need a place to sit down, if you need a place to eat, if you need a place to come and laugh and hang out, if you just want to come over and spend time together, the door is open. And so your family, your kids get to see multitude of people, different backgrounds, different struggles, yeah. you know, different personalities. Yeah. I and I think like that. when I, as, as pastor's kids, like I think one of the things that's cool is I think when our kids think about like the church, the, the church that mommy and daddy lead or the, or the church that we're a part of, I really don't think they think much about buildings. I think That's they great. think mostly Community. about our living room. Yeah. I think they, sure. you know, That's great. and I think they think mostly yeah. about what happens in, in our home over time. And I think like they think, oh yeah, that's where, that's where the church really was happening. In fact, that's really where the church began. And since then, we've had some really cool experiences, you know, downtown and in different parts of central Austin. We've had some cool places to meet and all that. But ultimately, I think there's something about the table, the living room, and what goes on in our home. And there's the doors being open all the time that probably best represents what church is, uh, the way at least the way my kids are learning it at a young age. Totally. Yeah, love that. Jesse, what's some what's a value that you guys instill in your family or that's just part of your family DNA, your family culture? Yeah. Since Kenny took two, I'll go ahead and take two. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you sure. work that extra one in. <laughs> I, I think trust too is, is something that's big uh, in our in our family culture. I tell my kids, I've told them from the time they could hear, really understand, is you don't you don't earn my trust. I give it to you freely. Mm. There's certain things that over time maybe you could start to to lose trust. Uh, I think that's a reality because there's always consequences to our actions. I don't want my kids thinking that, oh, you can just Pollyanna, do whatever you want. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is my kids are very forthcoming. Uh, they're very honest about things that they're up, coming up against. Um, and it's because I've allowed that trust to be up front. I've, I've, I've set the account full of trust for them. Uh, and that's paid off huge in our family. The other value, and, and we went through our family values. I, does every family do that? I feel like uh, it should we did be. That. It should be a part. We did of that. Oh, yeah. Once everybody's we, old we enough do that to that all the time. Totally. Competitive <laughs> was number one. My family was very competitive. Yeah. But I'm gonna rule that one out. I think it's sometimes it's unhealthy. But I think honor came in uh, for our family. We all agreed that just to to be honoring to each other, honoring to people around us. And I, know, I know some people set different with honor culture, and, and you know that's fine. I think there's something beautiful when you can honor the beauty around you, honor the beauty in people, honor um, uh, people that have gone before you. Yeah. Wisdom. 100%. And uh, when you can frame your heart that way, I think that it'll help my kids move through life um, That's in, awesome. in a really cool way. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Hey, to help us wrap this up, what is one thing... Um, so being a mom, being a dad, it's all it's influence, right, in the next generation in your... Um, but what would you say to the person who says, I'm not a mom, I'm not a dad, I don't have a family. How can I create a healthier family dynamic, either with my family of origin or my coworkers or the people that I'm influencing now, right? With What can I do with my influence? What's one thing you would say to create a healthy family atmosphere wherever you're at? What's one thing that somebody can do? Uh, well, the first thing I would say, I shared this on Sunday with... Uh, I think it's central in the beauty community. Um, anytime we're talking about kids and next generation, we're talking to everyone. Yeah, for sure, hundred uh, percent. Whether you have kids or, 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 or maybe the reality is you're struggling with infertility or you're thinking about adopting or any of that. But if there's kids in a community, it's everybody's responsibility to come around and support and yeah. guide and raise. And uh, I think that uh, if that was done, we would see see a different 
culture and generation being raised up. Um, next thing is, I think that um, I think we struggle with this in general uh, with being communal and being family because yeah. we're so uh, not to not to bang the Western individualistic drum too hard, but. Uh, it is a stretch for us yeah. to get to that frame of mind that's, no, we're communal. Uh, less probably for us at this table, for sure, because, I mean, for me, having a big family, it forces me into communal aspects right off the bat. Uh, we're a family of 11 at times, nine all the time. And so um, communal aspect is always on my mind. But I think that uh, we have to learn to push against that individualistic mindset and go, okay, yeah. well, my my actions actually are affect um, others. They yeah. affect somebody else. Yeah. Right. My my lack to follow Jesus actually affects somebody else. Yeah. My decision to follow Jesus actually affects somebody else. And if we had that kingdom mindset that was uh, that we are a body. Yeah. So right? you, so you're saying seeing a part, seeing yourself as a part of a community, a vital yeah, part of a community, absolutely. would help change the way that you see the people around you. Absolutely. What's one thing, Kenny, that somebody can take away from here, um, whether they're in a family or have a family or not? that can help them in their influence or in the way that they relate to people. Yeah, slow down. That's it, man, slow down. That would be the thing that I think is applicable to all of us, wherever we find ourselves, whatever season we're in. Um, I think to build good relationships together, I think to build thriving dynamics, be it a workplace, be it a, a social kind of gathering, spiritual family, uh, building something with a with a uh, a family of origin or whatever it might be is slow down. I'm I'm thinking of a um I'm thinking of one of the the proverbs from the Hebrew scriptures that would say uh you know there is a way that seems right to a person but it leads to death. Mm -hmm. That is actually how I feel about the pace that we live at. Yeah. It seems right because Everybody's, Everybody's doing, doing it. it, yeah. And I'm, um, you know, and that's true inside the church and outside of the church and workplaces and whatever. There's a there's a pace that we are living at. Seems right, but it seems right because it's the pace that everything's moving at, you know. But the reality is, it, it leads to death in a lot of ways, and one of the biggest ones is it kills real relationships. It kills our ability to grow relationships together and to thrive together because to listen you got to slow down yeah and if not our relationships just become what can you do for me how can i what 100 and, and it's 100 super fast you know? yeah. and i'm not going to really know you ricky i'm not going to really get the, the honor of getting to know you and your family if there's never a time when i'm able to slow down and, and to listen and to hear your stories to to want to sit with you um and i'm telling you it's that is so countercultural in every way right now. It's countercultural in our in our homes. It's countercultural outside of our homes. So mm -hmm. that would be my that'd be my quick sort of like two word boil yeah. down well, would just be slow down. Yeah. Take take the time to slow down because people are worth that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Slow down in That's right. I love that. Uh, be honest with each other. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys so much for being uh, on this episode. We appreciate you. Hopefully this was helpful to everybody that's listening. And if there's one thing I got out of this is that every night the green family door is open. That's right. So if somebody needs a place to stay, mm -hmm. need some food tonight, you can go. That it's door actually the is gate open. to the backyard that's open. The okay. doors are locked, but you can always come hang out in our backyard. <laughs> there's anytime. a dog. There's a dog. There's a trampoline. There. There's a little dog back there. No, just, just hey, thank you guys so much. Love y'all. Thank you. you. Love you too, brother. See you.